let's get into our Audible series this morning. We're going to talk about struggle. Uh, we're, we're in this series on looking at how, how do we navigate struggle. And, and we're specifically going to talk today, uh, you know, about how, how do we hear God's voice in, in seasons of struggle. Uh, boy, uh, we're in a season of struggle right now uh, with the, the COVID crisis. And, and so how, how, do we, how do we hear from God in that? Cause I, I, I was thinking about it. Think about how often you, you use words about the unexpected. Like uh, we use words all the time like uh, I was blindsided by this or uh, I hit a bump in the road or boy, uh, our family was thrown a curveball. You know, th- there's constantly metaphors we use all the time because life is full of, of the unexpected. And, and, and you know, the, the reality is that we're not going to get out of here without that. Uh, we're not going to get out of here without wounds. We're not going to get out of here without scars. We're not going to get out of here with very real pain in life. We're not going to get out of here unscathed. And, and so what, is that, what does that mean? And, and, and it really what happens in, in times and seasons of struggle, what I would say, and I kind of drew this out in, on, on my computer for you, I think what, one of the first things that happens to us when we go through seasons of struggle is that pain causes what I would call emotional noise. It, it just causes emotional noise. Have you ever noticed that when you, I don't care how strong you are, I don't care how mentally competent you are, I don't care what your mental game is, I'm telling you when you get squeezed, the volume goes up. The, that's when the voices come. You ever have the voices or maybe I'm the only one. I have the voices, man. I'm not kidding. Like, you know, you start hearing strange thoughts and when you go through seasons of struggle and I think that, that really, uh, when, when you're starting to have pain and that emotional noise kicks in, well, it, it kind of dominoes something else. And that extra domino is that emotional noise tends to cloud judgment. You ever notice that? Like when, when you're hurting, you, you get, ju- it's hard to know. Uh, I remember one time a friend of mine was going through a divorce and he didn't want the divorce. And, and he told me uh, it, something that really stuck with me. He's, and he was a devoted believer in Jesus. And he said, you know, I don't know what it means to be obedient to God right now because I, it, 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 there's so much emotion going on there and he was, judgment was clouded and, and it should have been. It, he was hurting. Emotional noise causes clouded judgment. And when you have clouded judgment, have you ever noticed that that will cause what I would say is called erratic uh, decisions? I mean, you start making erratic decisions, irrational decisions, because what ends up happening, I think, is when we're struggling and when, when we're going through seasons of squeeze and pain, we will take short-term gains, even though it's a long-term loss. We will numb with substances, or we will bypass God's plan for, for our own life or our own purity. We will numb because we're hurting or we're tired or we're stressed, or we, we will try to fast-track something and... And it's just a, a real, tr- it's a real true thing. And I think when, when we start struggling a lot, that's that, in the pain, that's when the voices come. I mean, that's when, you know, but, but we have a speaking God too. And I don't want you to forget that. You know, I told you that in the first, the first part of this audible series that our God across history is a speaking God. I love what Jesus said in John chapter 10. Look at this verse. Um, you don't have to turn there. This isn't going to be our key passage today, but Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So we have a speaking God, but when the pain comes, the voices in your head come too. That doesn't make you crazy. That makes you normal. And, and, you know, sometimes those voices can say very real things. Have you, you know, and I'll, I'll give you a quick filter. 
about hearing the voice of the Father. We just heard Jesus say that my sheep know me. They hear me. They, they know my voice, and they won't follow a stranger, Jesus said in that passage. So when you are going through the squeeze, I just thought of two questions you can kind of use as a filter, you know, to filter out the truth from the lie. Here, here they are. One is, is that voice causing anxiety or peace? When, when, when you're feeling squeezed, is the voice in your head prompting you to action? Is that, is that voice pushing you in ways that makes you feel anxious, or is that voice driving you to peace? So you can filter out the voice of God. Or, or maybe another question would be, is that voice pushing me to doubt, or is it pushing me to believe? You know, the voice of the Father will not push you to doubt. The voice of the Father will not encourage you to be anxious, right? So you know that's not the voice of the Father when you hear that. So how do, we, how do we navigate all of this? Well, I believe we can hear the voice of God and struggle because struggle's real. The pain's real. We've got to deal with it. So let's turn to James chapter 1. If you've got a Bible, James chapter 1 is where we're going. If you're on a tablet or a device, it's the New American Standard Version, NASB, and that's what I preach from, the New American Standard Bible. And, and uh, James, now I'll tell you, I, I've done a lot of study in the book of James over, over my life. I've taken some very deep dives. I'm just on my own uh, looking at the book of James. And we're going to start out right here in the first few verses. Here we go. And I got them on the screen for you. James, uh, verse 1 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who were dispersed abroad. Now, that, that's who he's writing the letter to. Greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Well, there's a lot there that we could spend a lot of time on, so I'm going to have to be very limited in what I can choose to talk about this morning for time's sake. But... I want to unpack a few things here with what James is trying to get at because he's talking about counting it joy when we encounter various trials. So when, when you encounter a season of suffering or a season of squeeze or a season of confusion or a season of pain, I would encourage you immediately, I mean immediately, to do what I, I, I would call jumpstart my transformed mind. See, now Jason, what in the world do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by jump-starting your transformed mind is if, if you look at the book of James, there, there's a theme. And by the way, I, I'm, this is for free. This isn't, this isn't even in my notes, okay? I'm going to give you this for free, totally free. Uh, not going to charge you. So you, if you want to find out, especially it's easier in the New Testament than it is in the Old, but I've done this many times. I've done it in the book of James. If you were to go through the book of James right now, you would see uh, what I call keywords. And I'll, go, I'll take a piece of paper, and I'll, I will start looking for repetitive phrases or repetitive words. And it's amazing how that will float to the surface part of the reasons that person's writing that book. Well, let me tell you, the, the, if you were to go through the book of James, you would find that the word God is used, like I think it's like I, 17 times, I don't know, it, that's, it's, it's the main word. But let me tell you the number two word that is, that is a theme in every chapter, I think, in the book of James, and it's multiple times, and it's this word brothers, brethren. And now, now James, and he does it right there in verse 2, consider it joys, brothers, that's, that's the people of God. Let me tell you why that matters right there. It matters actually a lot. Because who James is writing to is he's writing to, to Jews that have recently become Christians. And there were certainly, you know, Gentiles, there were certainly people that weren't Jews that had become Christians. But James is heavily a, uh, a book that, that takes into the account 
He quotes the Old Testament a lot. He's got a Jewish mindset. These are converted Jews. And, and not th- so, so notice what he says in, in, in verse uh, 1. To the 12 tribes who are what? Dispersed, scattered, your Bible might say. Scattered. Why were they scattered? Persecution. You see, they were pilgrims in a foreign land. And so James is telling them, that, that they are now brothers. They are, they are scattered and they're suffering, but they're not... Now, this is important. They're, they're suffering not because of sin. Now, there's some times that James mentions different sins and accountability in this book, but they're not suffering because of something they've done wrong. You know, a lot of times, especially if you were raised a Baptist, you were taught from the time you were little, if something's going wrong in your life, well, you've probably got some unconfessed sin somewhere back there in the seventh grade, even though you're 50. You know, and, uh, you know, it, that, that, that's, that's not always true. Sometimes there is unconfessed sin. Sometimes, though, you're just squeezed because of your faith or life, though you a curve. Life caused a bump in the road. Life caused something to happen you didn't see coming. So right now, if you're, and the reason that they're not suffering because of sin, because you, you notice what James calls them to do in verse 3. He calls them to endure. Now, Last week we talked about God's judgment on the world in some respects and how does God speak through world events. Well, if God is disciplining you, almost inevitably throughout the Scriptures, you're not told to endure it. You're told to repent, right? Stop. Go back home. You left home for the far country. You chased the fantasy. Go home. That's not what's being done right here. He's calling you to endure. Hang in there. Keep walking, keep moving, keep going. Why? So, so James is saying that you're, by calling us brothers, that is, a, that is, a, that is a throwing a, a flag, that is throwing an indicator. It is a code word for we used to live a different life, now we're in a new life. We used to serve our own kingdom, now we serve his kingdom. I used to be lost, now I'm found. That is a word of transformation. Brothers. Brethren, men and women of God, we are in this together because we are God's people. And so we are, used to be on the outside, now we're on the inside. So, so it made me think of a passage in 1 Corinthians, and, and you can turn there if you want to. It's 1 Corinthians 2. But look, look at what Paul said. Man, this is a really unique phrase, and I'm going I'm to read it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, he said, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man, that is a a person outside of Christ, that's that's, that's just a, a word for somebody that doesn't know Jesus, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. I mean, they have spiritual weight and he doesn't have a spiritual uh, bent toward Christ. Now, this is important right here. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, takes an appraisal. And yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now, I want to leave that up there for just a minute. We have the mind of Christ. That works right in line, in tandem with what James is getting at. That we have a a new mindset. So, because we have a new mind, jumpstart your new mind. When you're going through a squeeze, listen to me, friend. You lost your job. Don't know what's going to happen to you. Maybe, Maybe you got somebody in your family that's recently passed away. That's happened this week with some of our church members. You, you, 
something going on that you can't, that you can't figure out what's going on, why it's happened, kick into motion your redeemed mind because you've got one. See, when you came to Jesus, I didn't, you didn't get a new brain. I didn't get a new brain, but I did get a new mind. I got a new way of looking at the world. I got new truth to filter the world through, right? So jumpstart that. When you're squeezed, the first thing you do, take the filter of God and put it on your mind so that you can separate the lies from the truth. So when you understand that we have the mind of Christ, now it makes a little more sense why James would say something so strange as what he says in verse 2, consider it joy. I mean, how in the world can you do that? Nobody in their right mind considers it joy when they are squeezed. But look at what James says, consider. You know what the, what the root of that passage is getting at? Let the leading authority in your mind be. That is the most literal uh, wooden definition of that word consider. That, that literally you are to let the forward thinking first thought be the authority. That is that you choose joy. And that is a choice, isn't it? Happiness is not, happiness is fleeting. It's, it's an emotion. Joy is different. Joy is on the inside. Joy comes from the inside out, right? And so, so we know that we are told to consider it joy. How in the world can you consider struggling joy? You can't. You can't unless you have a redeemed mind. And if you've got a redeemed mind, then you understand that this world is not your home. And so you understand that this world is temporary and that God is up to something. See, God has a purpose in your pain, friend. Do you hear me? God has a purpose in your pain. God doesn't arbitrarily just bring random pain into your life. He doesn't, whether he allows it or whether he causes a storm like in 10, Psalm 107, listen, he's not playing around with you. God's got a purpose in your pain. And so we are allowed to have a different mindset. And so what James is saying right here is consider it joy, brothers, when we encounter various trials. Faith without pressure is faith that won't stand up. Show me faith that doesn't have the squeeze, and you don't even know if it works or not. Faith has to be squeezed in order for you to know if it can stand up or not. You know, um, re recently, uh, on, on let's pass Sunday night, it, it started on Sunday night. It's going on again tonight. ESPN is running a do documentary called The Last Dance, and it's uh, a documentary on the Chicago Bulls. And, and boy, I was in uh, high school when all that was going on. I was in middle school and high school, and, and uh, that, it's been a neat documentary for those of you that, that, that like... Uh, the Bulls, and especially Michael, Michael Jordan. I remember the first time Air Jordans came out, one of my buddies on our basketball team wore, wore them to practice one day, and we couldn't believe that his mother spent literally $90 for a pair of sneakers. I mean, we were just stunned. I, 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 I was like, your mama really bought those for you? He's like, yeah. I'm like, what? That's, who does that, you know? Uh, but the, uh, the, the, the thing about in, in that first documentary, uh, Michael Jordan it, was, and it showed his mother, and you got to hear his mother talk about it. For those of you that don't know the story, Michael Jordan tried out for his basketball team when he was in the 10th grade, and he got cut. He didn't make the team. And do you know in his, I, I, I was told, I didn't listen to it. A friend of mine told me that he listened to his Hall of Fame speech a few years ago, and Jordan referenced that moment, even in his Hall of Fame speech. He was still mad about it. But do you know, do you know, what his mama told him, got, he got cut. And in that documentary, uh, it said he came home and his mom told him, work harder. Get, make, 
go out next year, work harder. Isn't that such a contrast? From, you know, many parents today would probably want to call an attorney, find out, you know, why, why their son or daughter was cut from the soccer team or the, you know, tennis team. His mama said, work harder. Make sure it doesn't happen again. And, and what did that do? He said that fueled him. It fueled him to, to realize, hey, I've got to get on it. Maybe there's just people better than me. Maybe that's the only answer. The answer was on him, and it fueled him, and it drove him because it squeezed him, and the best came out of him. So looking back on that experience, getting cut was the best thing in the world for him. God has a purpose in your pain. He really does. He's not out to get you, but he's got a purpose in your pain. So the, the, the real question is, what is that purpose? What is God's purpose in my pain, right? That's the big question. What is God's purpose in my pain? Well, James says, consider it joy, brothers, when you encounter trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith, verse 3, the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result. Give it time. So that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So, so what is God's purpose right there? I would say this, that unexpected struggle purifies me to reflect Jesus. Unexpected struggle is a purification process. You even see the, the Old Testament talk about that a lot, uh, that, that going through the fire of purity where the, the gold is refined, right? Jesus talked about pruning, that every branch that bears fruit will be pruned so that it can bear more fruit, right? You have to cut it back and so that it can actually grow more. Un unexpected struggle purifies me and, and so that I can grow more. And, and, and I would say to you that just never forget, friend, that God... God is way more into getting you what you need than what you want. And wants and needs can get really blurred in those pain seasons, right? But I've noticed something about times of struggle. Things you don't need fall away. They just, they just kind of fall away. I was talking with a friend of mine this week about the business sector and how COVID-19 it's forcing people to do business differently. You know, one of, one of the benefits, even though it's been a horrible thing to watch, one of the fringe benefits, one of the things that will come out of this is businesses, universities, small business to corporations, people, technology, people have had to find a way to do it different. That's what tends to happen in struggle. Struggle tends to, tends to reveal things. It just tends to reveal things. I want to I show you a picture of a friend of mine named Bob Webster. This is uh, Dr. Webster, uh, Ph.D. Uh, Bob's a, a friend of mine. I was talking to him this week, and as I was putting the final touches on this sermon, it just came back to my mind of something Bob told me. Bob is a researcher at Vanderbilt, and uh, he's, a, he's an, a, a mechanical engineer, has a Ph.D. from Johns Hopkins, and just a great man, loves Jesus, and, and uh, he's, he's just somebody I, I really admire. But, but he, 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 he talked about something that they were doing. They, he got a phone call, and he said, we, I said, Bob, hey, what's your research been like at Vanderbilt recently? And he said, well, Jason, we're making ventilators out of windshield washer motors off vehicles. I, he said, we had a call. We had to invent ways to make some extra ventilators. I want you to watch. This is fascinating. I want you to, it's a very short video, and I want you to watch it. It's a pretty cool story. One of the main concerns that we all have 
uh, about this COVID-19 situation is running out of supplies. And among these life critical, life-saving supplies are ventilators and, and, and the people really working out these machines. One of my colleagues uh, at Vanderbilt Medical Center called me and said, hey, we need something. This could get really bad. We gotta start working on this. Our goal here was to build a device that would be anybody could build. So we built it entirely out of plywood, out of a windshield wiper motor, out of parts that we could easily source. So if we had to, in our garages, we could build several hundred of these to meet an emergency need. So that was the priorities of what we were trying to do. Now we've got a prototype that's almost quite ready for, for use potentially. And so that's, uh, that's reassuring that we're able to kind of leverage all this expertise at Vanderbilt to get things done in such a short time fashion. Is, is that not the neatest thing? You, I mean, when you, when you meet people like, I'm just glad to know people like Bob Webster. I mean, that's when you realize that God did not make us all equal. There are way smarter people in this world. Who would have thought to take a windshield wiper motor off of a vehicle, put plywood in a, in a swim noodle? That, that, that piece of plastic on that plywood was a, a, a swim noodle that you swim around with and cut it for it. So it got some pressure up against that bottle to compress that in an emergency and build it out of plywood. The world would have never seen that type of ingenuity had COVID not the crisis not hit. It's going to be fascinating to see what businesses come up with as a result of just, and even churches, of doing ministry differently because we were forced to. I want to tell you, friend, God's got a purpose in your pain. He's got a purpose in your pain. And struggle tends to reveal that. Struggle will reveal it. it struggle, you know what struggle will also do? It'll, it'll reveal where your idols are. It will. It'll reveal those places that you're ascribing way more worth to than you knew you were. And, and it has a way of bringing you home. Don't, don't, listen, don't detest the struggle. And I know that's a big ask. I, listen, I, I'm, I'm being 100% transparent with you. I've been in times of my life where I put my head down and pushed through the storm, and I was mad about it. I want to tell you, if you're going through a season of struggle, don't put your head down and wait out the rain. Lift your eyes from whence forth comes your help to see the Lord of the harvest coming your way. Open your eyes, lift your chin, and look it right in the eyes. And I'm telling you, God's got a purpose for your pain. He really does. Now, there's one other, uh, I think, purpose that God has, and that is that unexpected struggle builds endurance to live for Christ. It builds endurance. Notice that James mentions endurance right here when we encounter trials. He said the testing, the pressure, the faith under pressure produces what? Endurance, all right? Endurance. Now, why does that matter? Endurance matters because you, you cannot microwave maturity, right? You cannot microwave maturity. Maturity only comes through mileage, and mileage comes through travel and experience. It's one of the, one of the things I love about, about Clearview is we've got people that have been going to this church for 30, 35 years. Some people are still here that were here when the church started. And you know, when when, there's even times already that when I'm trying to make decisions, I'll go to some of those people and I'll ask them, to, hey, give me the history there. Because they're level-headed and they're calm. And they've seen it before. They've seen some variation of it. There's stability in wisdom. And wisdom comes through mileage. And you cannot microwave that. But guess what? You only get wisdom through pressure. You only get wisdom through pain. You only get wisdom through experience. And so what James is saying is don't try to microwave the pain. 
Don't try to microwave it. Let it, ha let it work itself out. Because if you notice what he's saying in verse 4, let endurance have what? It's perfect result. Well, now let's flip that. Let's do, let's do that in the negative for a second. If you try to microwave the pain and fast track it, then it won't be perfected. You won't be perfect, you won't be complete in verse 4, and you will be lacking. Do you see what I did right there? You, if, you, if you do it the other way, if you try to fast track it, you'll lack something. You won't be made perfect, you won't be rounded out, you won't have your legs under you, you won't have your endurance ready, and you'll be incomplete. Now, why in the world would that matter? That's the big question. Why would endurance matter? I'll tell you why endurance matters. It goes back to what James said in verse 1. To the twelve tribes scattered, brethren. What is he saying? He's saying this world is not our home. Don't act like it is. This world is not our home. Don't act like it is. Don't act like it is. We are not, aren't you, aren't you glad this world isn't your home? So if this world isn't our home, we live in a kingdom that is both here and it's later. The kingdom is now, but the kingdom's later. This world is not our home. And you can make it. You can endure it. Because what you're going through right now or what you're about to go through in the next, in the next unknown season, it's only furthering the process of making you more like Christ to prepare you for the kingdom that's coming your way when, when there are no more struggles and there will be no more pain. And God will wipe away every tear from the eye and it says he will walk among us and we will be his people and he will be our God. And that is the day, friend, when the struggle is over, right? So I want you to do something today as we get out of here. You've probably got a friend. Maybe that's lost a job. You've got somebody that is in a fog right now. You've got somebody that is really trying to make some tough decisions. Maybe the best missionary you could ever be would be to email this sermon link to them. Text them the sermon link off YouTube. Let me tell you, you become a missionary when that happens. And you, you can share Jesus with people that are desperately needing to hear it. Right now, our world is in desperate need. And I really hope you take advantage of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and the truth of God, that God has a purpose in your pain with people that you know that are hurting.